what is a man? What it means to be a man. And I believe that's not being taught so much today. Take your Bibles to Psalms chapter 12. I'm going to read a couple verses of Scripture, but my text is right in verse 1. Psalms chapter 12, and you think of all the places, and we'll be in a number of different places today. I will be in Psalms 12, then I'll be in Proverbs 24, verses 27. And then I will be in 1 Timothy chapter 5, uh, somewhere over in there, uh, if my memory serves me correct. It's probably in my, my notes, and that's, that's why, yeah, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. That's why we have notes. So I will pull this message from multiple uh, scriptures, which makes us uh, uh, fit right in with the Bible. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, uh, in the righteousness there. And so we're going to have multiple text today. I think there's a new verse of Scripture for each point. I'm going to bring out three points today on what it means to be a man or a godly man. And ladies, I'm glad you brought them in with you today. I see they've been drug in. They're here. And so they're going to get their medicine. And hopefully, and really in all seriousness, hopefully we can learn something from this, from the Word of God, from the Bible, on what God uh, wants us to be when we talk about godly men. Now, if you're lost, if you want to use the world as your model, what I have to say is going to be foreign to you. You're not going to like it, and you're going to be uh, upset about it. But I'm, we're Bible believers. We're Christians. We're supposed to be children of God, and therefore God has a manual for us, which is this Bible, to teach us how we're to conduct our lives. We call it practical living. And so we must get on this subject on what is a godly man. That's actually the question that goes with the message. A godly man, or what is a man? Verse 1, it says, Help, Lord. David uh, uh, had somewhat of a problem like this in his day. I'm in Psalms chapter 12. Help, Lord. Help, Lord. For the godly man ceaseth. That means it's stop. Uh, there's, there's not men that wanting to be godly men. There's not men. There's a shortage of men that want to do what God has told us to do. For the faithful, they fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who have said with our tongue will we prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? So we see the problem. When the godly man ceaseth, Wow, tongue-tied this morning. I, I promise you, it's, it's, it's just that some days are like that with me. It doesn't matter. When the godly man ceaseth, I had problems with, what, what word was I having problem this morning? I had a problem with a word this morning. We were talking, we were laughing about it, and about expectations or something like that, and I was saying it wrong. Sometimes that happens, and that's okay. But what it means when he ceases to be so, and he's doing that because he says, who's the Lord? He says, my lips are my own. This is my body. Boy, that's, that's a famous phrase today, ain't it? My body, I'll do what I want. I'm proud of it. Okay, well, we're going to see what God has to say about that. Now, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless the, the preaching of His Word this morning. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank You. Lord, help us. 
Help us, and, and even in a wicked day, Lord, uh, we can still be lights in this wicked world. We can be what you want us to be. Lord, help us to want to follow your paths. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Masculinity is one of the qualities of a godly man. Be true to your gender. Oh boy, now you say, oh preacher, you're meddling. Well, we got to cover this ground. And not only do we have the audience here, we have a live stream audience now. So our listening audience has grown. But these are issues that the Bible deals with. We need to learn a godly man is true to his gender on how God made him. Our culture is trying and it is succeeding to teach our men to be dissatisfied with who God made them. Culture is pushing to make the men effeminate, soft. And no matter what you do, now you get this, this is science. Everybody today, the big tag word is, well, we just follow the science. Do you know how science is is, uh, defined? Science, number one, is observable. Science, number two, is demonstrable. Science, before something can be called a science, it has to be reproducible. You can't just call something a science... Just because you're educated, just because I have a master's degree, just because somebody has a doctor's degree does not make what they say science. There are rules before you can call something. Why do you think they say evolution theory? It's not science. It's a religion. Why do you think critical race theory? Because it's not a science. Oh, boy. And see, this gender, let me give you a scientific fact. No matter what you do to your body, no matter how you change it, alter it, if you're a man, you have what they call an XY chromosome. You cannot change that in your DNA. It will not change. If you're a man, you're born with an XY chromosome. That's science. If you're a woman, I don't care what you do, you cannot change. You have an XX chromosome. You can change your looks. You can alter or mutilate your body to make it look different than what God made you. But you cannot change your chromosomes. That's science. The Bible said there would be a time when men would begin to call things science falsely so called. He said they would call something a science that really wasn't a science. And see, people don't want to talk about that. Scientists don't want to talk about, well, if if a man wants to be a woman, how does he change his chromosomes? You can't. God made you who you are at birth. That's called science. One of the most, now you hear me, if you don't hear nothing else today, you hear what I get ready to say. Because it's Bible, but I bet you never thought about it. One of the most rebellious things today is rebellion against your gender. You know where they got that? You know where that comes from? Think with me. Satan in heaven. What did the Bible say God found in him? Pride. Now think a little farther. And how many angels followed him? One third. You know what was going on in heaven, folks? Satan was the first leader 
of a pride rebellion. He was against how God made him. God made Satan Lucifer the anointed cherub that covereth. You know what Lucifer wanted? I don't want to be the anointed cherub that covereth. I want to be a transforming angel. I want to be God. And so what happened when Satan got cast out of heaven? We come to earth. How do we know that God, uh, that the, the devil's here working on earth? Because he is leading pride rebellions today because people do not want to be true to what God made them. If you're a man, you need to be happy that God made you a man and God has a particular life ministry or mission for you to fulfill and only you can do it as a man. Ladies, you need to be proud that God made you a woman, a lady. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I don't care what the world says. And men, it's nothing to be ashamed of for to be a man. Don't let the world, don't let the devil, because they're being run by the devil, embarrass you or put some pressure on you to make you think you need to be effeminate. You need to be okay with how God made you. Do not join the pride rebellion. That's called antichrist. When people rise up and say, I'm not happy with how God made me. That's called rebellion. God gives us a specific gender. God has a plan for our lives. Men, the first challenge in life that you're going to face is you're going to have to embrace your gender. And hopefully you do that before you turn get into your teen years you need to embrace your gender if you're a, ba- a man god he say well how do i know well how did dad how did well maybe i can't say how did dad teach you how to figure it out maybe papa walking driving out through the country those cows didn't know those are bulls how do you know you know you know remember that that's right Hey, farming, you learn a lot, lot, lot of things about farming and animals and their anatomy and their genders. So your first challenge is to embrace your gender. Now the second challenge that you will face in your life, men, is to embrace God's purpose or to understand God's purpose for your gender. That's right. You as a man have a different role to play as a woman. Most Christian men, actually for this purpose, (laughs) most people, they'll pick a path in life and then ask God to bless it. Rather than take God's blessed path for their life. Now that was a mouthful. You'll have to listen. You've got to be painted. You can't be thinking about baseball, barbecue ribs, and, and listening this morning. Most people will pick their own path in life and ask God to bless that instead of picking God's blessed path and living in that. A lot of people that well, I, you know, it's just God ain't blessing me. Are you on God's blessed path or are you on the devil's path? See, the Bible says there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the what? Ways of death, not the ways of blessing. Our hearts and our questions should be, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? That's what the Apostle Paul said when God saved him. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Is what we should be asking. As a man, that should be one of your questions. 
What is my purpose in life? What am I here to do? Uh, Men, let me give you probably uh, an eye-opener. Your job and lot in life is not to live in your mommy's basement munching on Cheetos and playing video games at 30 and 40 years old and living on mama's allowance. Yeah. Uh, That's right. I mean, do you know there's an epidemic of that? They have no purpose in their life. They have no direction in their life. And they just want to munch Cheetos and play video games. And they won't even work. And you have missed out on God's purpose for your life. There is a shortage today of godly men. I believe there's a lot of men running around. I call them boys. They're not men. Just because you're big and tough and can lift a lot of weight does not make you a man. There's a lot more to it than that. You know, Jen and I were talking the other day. And I've said it before, but I'll say it again because it was all about transitioning from a boy to a man. You know what my father did to me? Now, when it happened, I thought it was cruel and unusual. And I didn't like it. Nobody does. A child, a kid, a child will never pick what's best for them. If you give a child a choice between chocolate cake or cake and candy and veggies, don't be shocked when they pick the cake and ice cream and the candy over the veggies. But you as a parent understand that the veggies or a well-balanced meal is what's beneficial for them. I hope you're one of those kind of parents. I hope you're not like, well, honey, what do you want? Well, I want cake and ice cream or Hot Pocket again. You know, we we need to quit raising our kids on Hot Pockets and pizza rolls. Learn how to cook some green beans, put a little bacon grease in that, some salt. I mean, come on, learn how to do a little something. Back on the ladies again. Sorry, ladies. Back on the men. Men. There's a shortage of godly men. So what is the purpose of a godly man? I'm glad you asked, because I know I can tell you're all sitting here like, where in the world is he going with this? Let me get back to how dad cut the umbilical cord. Now, my family, I have six other brothers and sisters. I have four sisters, two other brothers. Do the math. I think it's seven kids all in toll. Dad brought me down. I just turned 16. I was 15, getting ready to turn 16. And of course, as every young man dreams, my first car was going to be a 55 Chevy, black, straight axle, 454 under the... Um, hey, you can dream, can't you? You ever try to price something like that out today? His dad brought me down to the study. He said, son, it's time for a father-son talk. I, oh, great. I, I just know it. It's in the garage, ain't it, dad? It, it's there, ain't it? No, son. I have... You have six other brothers and sisters that I got to worry about trying to feed. I cannot buy you your first car. (gasps) Oh, I was abused. Abused, straight up abused. Oh, my soul. And he said, son, so what you got to do is you're going to have to find you a job. (gasps) Work. Yes, work. And you're going to have to save your money up. That means you got to begin to learn how to make right choices. Do you want a car? Or do you want to play? Well, in our days, we didn't have, we had video games, but we, nobody wanted to play them. <laughs> they wasn't fun. So my first job, and I got a little humor out of this this week, was mowing church grass. Now, where we lived, Dad pastored High Point Baptist Church in those years, and the church was about two miles from the church. there off of Fields Earl Road. And so 
Well, I got the job because that was the church. Dad was the pastor, so I had a good recommendation. Dad said, trust me, he'll do the work. Like, oh, right. But they had a writer. Dad always made me use a push mower. We'll get on that some other time. So it come time to go mow grass. Dad, I got to get to work. You got to drive me to work. And Dad just kind of give me that dad look. I ain't driving you to work. Like, what do you mean? You're going to walk. Get yourself to work. So, <laughs> dad, oh, oh, no. Dad says, I ain't taking you to work. I ain't heading that way. Son, you're going to have to walk. It ain't going to kill you. So you know what I did? I walked to the church to mow grass. I found myself, I got some humor, and this is why I'm telling this. I walked to church this week and mowed grass. My truck was gone. <laughs> I was kind of laughing how God, I'm right back. But you knew what, I knew what to do. Jenny says, I ain't driving you to work. <laughs> no, no, she didn't. <laughs> but I thought that was humorous. I knew the grass had to be mowed. And guess what I did? I walked down, got on the lawnmower and rode it. <laughs> So you know what I did? I had a little guitar, a little Suzuki. It was the brand name Suzuki. I traded it to Rod, my best friend. He had a 10-speed, a Swin 10-speed bike. I traded that, put two new tires on it, and I rode that down to the church. Boy, that was a lot better than walking, especially in traffic. And I saved my money, and I began to work, and I bought my own car. Now, at that time, I thought that was terrible. Then God, dad brought me in and says, I'm not putting you on our insurance plan because I don't want my rates to go up. You got to get your own insurance plan. Where's your money? I'll go get it. Now, dad went and got it, but he put it in my name, took money, brought home, give me the paperwork. Says, there you go. And by the way, you ain't driving the car till I say it's roadworthy. So pull it up there in the garage. And he helped me buy it. I'm giving you the fast track. Dad cut the umbilical cord. He says, you want those fancy Nike shoes? Somebody in here was upset. They were mad because they didn't want the clothes their parents were buying them. They wanted a brand name stuff. Let me tell you something. Go get a job and buy them yourself because that's what dad did to me. That, that ain't nothing wrong with that. Parents, they buy what they can afford because it ain't all about you. I, I pulled that one time. I want Nikes. In my days, Nikes and Converse was the, was the two top brands. Dad says, you want a pair of Nikes? I think there was 90 bucks at that time. That's it, good. You got your money? I didn't know they were 90 bucks. I'll take you to Kmart. Kmart was big in our day. Went down to Kmart. Dad, oh, dad was all for this. Brought me down here. Here's the Nikes, son. Get your size. I'm a man. I wear a size 10. Like, okay. Get them down. What's the price tag on them? <gasps> Oh, $90. And that's, that's before tax. I was like, I put them back on the shelf. I went over there to the $10.99 pair of tennis shoes. You know why? Because it's coming out of my pocket. I had to mow a lot of grass. <laughs> I think they paid me $3 an hour. And then the neighbors begin to see that I was mowing grass. They say, hey, why don't you come over? We'll pay you. By the way, we got to mow it because I thought I was going to go into business for myself. First entrepreneur. I said, yeah, I'll cut your grass. I said, hey, Dad, I'm going to take our push mower over in the gas. And Dad's like, now what? I said, yeah, I got to mow the gra neighbors, you know, grass. I got a job. He said, not with my mower, you don't. Why would I let you wear my mower out on the neighbor's grass and you pocket all the money? He said, you're going to have to get your own mower, son. Now, I thought that was cruel. 
I just could not understand my dad not wanting to help me out in life. Let me get, he was, he was keeping me down. He hurt me. He wouldn't get me that 55 Chevy. I think dad wants one now. <laughs> Neither one of us can afford one. And he wouldn't let me use his mower. So the neighbor, they had mowers. Dad said they got mowers. And so I was mowing grass for a living before it was any, everybody's a lawn care guy now. Boy, I've done a lot of walking. Here's the point. I learned real quick the value of a dollar. I also learned how to earn it. Dad didn't buy my second car either. First car was a 73 Gremlin. The second vehicle was a 78 Cutlass, Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme that needed a transmission. You all right, Dad? How we doing? Dad said, I ain't doing nothing. You're doing it. Put a tranny in it. Put it up on jacks. Take it out. Dad went to the junkyard with $100 of my money. Got me a 350 turbo tranny. Said, that'll fit it. Put it in there. I thought I was tough, so I figured I could one-arm that thing in there, hold it up while I was putting the bolts. That didn't work. I had to get Dad to help me. We did that. And then my third vehicle was a 67 Ford truck. I bought that. I sold a camera to come up with the What my point is, parents, you need to cut the umbilical cord, especially on men, boys. They can transition, and here's why. <laughs> I didn't have to call daddy saying, Daddy, <laughs> I'm 50 years old, but will you buy me another vehicle? We already had that conversation when I was 15 going on 16. See, I, had, I got to learn that lesson. What's it mean to be a man? Well, number one, the purpose of a man is to work. Now, man, I'm going to teach you something from the Word of God. Turn to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. We need to move. We need to move. I'm telling too many stories. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 27. Now, there's nothing like the Word of God to set us straight. And parents, <laughs> if you've not had that conversation with your sons, that could be part of their problem. Here's our, here's our thinking as adults. Well, I don't want to do to my kids what daddy did to me. I don't want to see them live without... I want to give them everything. You know what's the problem is? You got daddy issues. You got daddy issues. And you need to get them resolved. You don't want to overcorrect what you think was done wrong to you. Because it wasn't wrong. You know what my father was teaching me? One, how to work. Two, how to be self-sufficient. Now let's look at our scripture here. Verse 27 in Proverbs 24. Prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field. you see that? And afterwards, build thine house. Oh, preacher. Now, let me back up a second. God created Adam to keep the garden. Remember? God created, he, he planted a garden eastward in Eden. And he says, now I need somebody to take care of this. He created Adam, a man, to work. God taught Adam that six days you work, the seventh day is the day of rest. Now, boys, and some of you men that are lagging behind, did you see what this verse said? 
Your godly purpose, number one, is to work. But look how God puts the right thing in its right order. He says here, you need to prepare your work without and to make it fit for thyself in the field and then afterwards build your house. You say, what's he saying, preacher? Well, I'll tell you what he's saying. Before the house is built, you need a field of work. Remember when we were little kids, Brother Terry, Brother Dennis, when we were kids, younger, you're a little older than I am, but not much. We all used to run around and we'd always, we'd always get asked questions, what do you want to be when you grow up? And some of us wanted to be policemen, some of us wanted to be firemen, some of us wanted, it was all kinds of things. You don't have that no more. You ask somebody what they want to do, it's, I don't know, I ain't found myself yet. But I'm sure in love. The Bible's saying before you get a house, you would develop the field. Now, men, here's what this means. Before you fall in love with little Miss Thang, 16, 17, it happens. It happens to us all. I was a little younger than that. <laughs> you got to have a field that you're going to work in. You got to be able to know how to pay the bills and support a family. Man, that's your God-given purpose is to be a provider. But right now, he wants you to work. And there's too many boys that are about 14, 15, 16, fall in love with little Miss Thang, and they want to start and get a house before they have a field of work. And the Bible says that's backwards. Men, your job is to work, and you need to develop a field to work in. And fast food is not a field of work. Learning a trade is a field of work. That's what he's talking about, a field of work. Plastering. Uh, I did it too, guys. Don't, don't, don't feel bad. I was 16. I, I wanted to do nothing. I thought I was going to make a living being a video gamer or something. You know, computer tech. Oh, we had a fancy word for it. Which meant I just wanted to sit around all day and do nothing. Dad, Dad straightened that right out in me. You never have to teach a son how to be lazy. Just like you never have to teach a son how to be nasty or dirty. Mothers, yeah, that's right. Women, <laughs> ladies, love is blind and marriage is the eye opener, isn't it? The honeymoon was over the first time you had to do laundry. And you had to try to find it under the bed. <laughs> That's how men solve problems. Nobody will know. No. Oh, I can preach a month of Sundays on that. Learning a trade. I got 16, working with my uncle Stonemason. And my dad said, look, you need to learn a trade. I want you to be a plaster. My father was a plaster by trade. He said, I don't care what you do. Give me four years of apprenticeship. Go join the union, local number one, Cincinnati, Ohio. He said, I, don't care. I wanted to go to the military, travel the world. Yeah, right. Dad said, give me four years. After those four years and you serve that apprenticeship, you get certified. I don't care what you do. You can be a bum. I don't care what you do. But at least I'll know you'll have a field, a way to support yourself throughout the rest of your life. Being a doctor, that's a good field to get in. Being an electrician, good field to be, get into. Uh, being a, a stonemason, good field to get into. A welder, good field to get into. Fabrication, good field to get into. Plumber, heating and air. These are fields of work. And he says you need to get your field developed before you set up housekeeping. Men, 
the godly man, which the Bible says is in short supply, says that your first God-given purpose is to work. When he created Adam, he says, I need somebody to keep up with the garden. You're the dude. Six days you do it. <laughs> and then God said, oh, that boy needs help. He don't know what to do on Tuesdays versus Monday and Wednesdays. So he made a woman. <laughs> and Eve helped him with it. God says she's a help meet. <laughs> she made the schedule. Probably. <laughs> but guess what, Adam? Guess what, men? Guess what, boys? you got to work. That's the first God-given purpose. Get you a field. The Bible, it's biblical. And you say, well, I don't want a field. Then you're antichrist. You're part of a problem. Mommies and daddies, you need to encourage your sons. Find in a field and develop them. You'll know what their gifts are. They're gifted. I mean, not everybody can be a doctor. Maybe they might have a knack for electronics, electrical, plumbing. Oh, let me put it to you like this. If he doesn't know what field of work he wants to develop, how can he pick a wife? If he doesn't have a place to live, where will he live? In your basement? Moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas, you're antichrist if you do not teach your sons to work with their hands and how to be self-sufficient and to lead a life with God as their guide. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, this is Bible, neither should he eat. See, that was the principle around my home. My father raised us on that principle. You don't want to work? You ain't eating. You know, food motivates me. Oh, I do not want my food rations. Yeah, that's the best way to punish me. Short my food rations. Oh, my soul. Nope, I'll do anything for food. Donuts. I think some of the people know that. When they come, they know they need something. They bring some donuts. I don't know. what You all figured that out quicker than I did. I'll do anything for a donut, just about. <laughs> and coffee. <laughs> it was the worst thing they ever did is put Dunkin' Donuts down here. I'm in there at least three or four times a week for coffee and a munchkin. The babies need munchkins. <laughs> oh, men, your God-given purpose is to work. The purpose of a godly man. So get it in your head. You can't be a bum. You're going to have to work. You've got to grab a hold. Work. God said work. Find a field. Develop it. Then set up housekeeping. We got too many people wanting to set up housekeeping with mommy and daddy paying the bills, and they can't figure out why life won't work. Let me throw this in here free. Men, and I'm on the men. I'm going to be on the men five weeks. Men, you can't look at your wife and say, you need to be listening to that preacher. You need to fall in line if you won't fulfill your God-given role. That's right. Men, second point, God-given purpose for you is to be a provider. Let me show it to you. First Timothy chapter 5. This is Bible. We're Bible preachers. People don't like us. Now, you didn't get this on the Today Show. You wouldn't get this on a lot of milk toast preaching today. But I'm giving you Bible, and I'm giving you what part of our problem is in this society. 
1 Timothy chapter 5, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. I didn't write that. I didn't make that up. That's what your Bible says. Men, if you're going to hold to a biblical worldview, that means Christian, Bible, then you need to understand that you are the provider. Now, don't read into that something that I didn't say. If you missed the part about the ladies, the Proverbs 31 woman works in the home and has a full-time job out of the home. Boy, people through the week, oh, people, people take a little something I say and say, you say women can't work. I never said that. I've never taught that. Why? Because I like it easy around the house. <laughs> Come on. But men, you are the number one provider. Physical needs. And the Bible says if you won't provide for your own, he said you're worse than, you know what an infidel is, don't you? That's a heathen. That's an unbeliever. He said you're worse. That means the physical needs. Your daddy should have taught you the four walls of living. Priorities, food, shelter, clothing, and if you're a head of a household, education for the children through grades 1 through 12. I, as a parent, yeah, I thought dad was going to pay for my college too. <laughs> We've had some great times, dad and I. Dad said, you know what, you're funny. You are a comedian. Where do you get this thinking? Well, I had little friends and their mommies and daddies were paying for everything for them. I, hey, I just thought that's how it was. Dad said, not in the real world. Get you a scholarship. Do good. You're smart, ain't you? Oh, yeah. Get you a free ride. He said, but I bet <laughs> your college education is going to be out in a trade field somewhere on a wall. So I figured I didn't like what Daddy said, so I went to the Air Force. I always, you know, watch Top Gun. I want to be a pilot. And I thought I looked like Tom Cruise at the time. 16-year-olds, man, 17-year-olds. I was so cool in my 73 Gremlin. I went down there, went down to the, to the, the, <laughs> to the Air Force. I'm looking at this guy, and of course I'm wearing glasses. I said, I, I want to fly. And this dude said, you said, let me, let me be honest with you. Can I be honest with you? I said, yeah. He says, what makes you think Uncle Sam's going to turn you loose on a $21 million piece of equipment? And he says, number one, you'll never fly. I said, why? He says, well, number one, because you wear glasses. You got to have good vision. He says, at best, you could be the guy in the second seat. Oh, that guy got killed. No, I didn't want that that guy wasn't cool. And he says, <laughs> he said, and here's the second, third reason. You won't test out. You ain't smart enough to be a pilot. I said, where do you think I'm going to test out? He says, a mechanic. At best, a truck driver. Oh, that bursted my little bubble. That's, that was what dad was telling me. You're going to have to be a provider. And if you won't provide, you should be taught food, shelter, clothing, education. That's priorities, not video games. 
For me, it was fishing equipment. <laughs> Jenny was all the time saying, Nathan or Kara needed shoes. I just bought shoes. Well, it doesn't matter. They need shoes. They need new clothes. Fishing equipment is important. But I had been taught that, no, it's not a priority. Teach the priorities in life. Learn the difference between a need and a want. But now here's where I want to get to. Men, it's your job to provide spiritually for your children too. See, it's not just physical, it's spiritually. See, the Bible says we have spiritual needs, head of a household. In the Bible, as I studied this, the man is a prophet, priest, and king. In the Old Testament, you got Abraham. It was Abraham that built the altar, not Sarah. It was Noah that built the altar, not Noah's wife. It was Jacob that built the altar, not Rachel. It's the man that is responsible to provide spiritually for his family. Let me throw this in there. A godly man does not send his family to church. A godly man takes his family to church. Part of our problem back in the 60s and 70s when we started all the big bus routes, daddies would send the family to church. Now, I don't know, there's not a child living that doesn't either want to grow up to be just like their daddy or just like their mommy. Daddy wouldn't go to church, but mommy and the kids did, and they rode the church bus because dad had the car because he needed some dad time. And so he sent his family to church. But now we've got, we've reaped, <laughs> we've reaped what we've sowed, and now the kids grew up and they said, well, I don't want to go to church, I want to be like dad. Godly men, they take their families to church. They don't send them. So you're responsible for the spiritual needs. Let me tell you something, dads, boys, men. It's more important to develop a child's spiritual, spirituality than the physical. And they need to do that in the house of God. We're failing today because we give them all the rules. That develops the soul. But we never teach them how to develop a spiritual relationship with God. God's a spirit. Must be worshiped a spirit in truth. You're born dead in trespasses and sins. And you must be born again. Daddies, your children must be born again. You must teach them how to get a hold of God. Because some bad times are coming in life. And they need to have learned from you how to get a hold of God. But a godly man... His purpose is to be a protector. That's right, a protector. The Bible says there in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And let me tell you something, dads, there's spiritual warfare in your homes. The devil is doing his job well as he leads the pride rebellion in this world today to be against anything God says you, you need to be for. And your job is to be a protector in your home. Looking out for spiritual problems and the devil, the attack of Satan in the home. Be the spiritual wall of protection. Be the prayer warrior in the home. Do you pray for your children? Do you pray for your wife? I mean, it's important, men. 
Be committed to God and family. What did Joshua say? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That wasn't Joshua's wife that said that. That was Joshua, a godly man, a leader. He was going to be a provider, a worker, and he was going to be a protector. But he says, look, as for me and my house, he didn't have to consult with mama. He says, we will serve the Lord. Because you're going to need that spiritual hedge that God puts around you when you are down God's blessed path. This is part of your purpose. You have been commanded by God to watch out for your families. Let me give you a verse on that. Hebrews 13, 7. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for their, your souls. You say, well, that's, that's the job of the pastor for the people. Yeah, and the last time I checked, what did God say was one of the requirements for a pastor? To be a man. A godly man. The husband of one wife. Who ruleth well his own home. How can you have a pastor that's going to be a good pastor if he won't pray for his own family and be that spiritual protector? That's what the Bible's telling you about. Hey, <laughs> men, to be a godly man, you've got to be that protector. of the spiritual wickedness in high places. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Oh, conclusion, I need to hurry. The life of a godly man will include pressure, tension. It'll include stress. It'll have burdens. It's going to have trials. Yet the godly man will bear these things for his family. Godly men embrace pressure and burdens as a part of God's call on their life. You know what's wrong with a lot of boys? They can't transition to be a man. They're afraid of pressures and trials that come along in life. It's not easy. I've wished a thousand times to go back home and live with dad and mom. It's easier. Food was better too. <laughs> I didn't mean that the way that sounds. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> I was thinking of stolen bread is sweet. <laughs> Stealing out of death. I did not mean that Jenny did not cook. Oh, boy. And I'm on live stream. Oh, how much did that cost me? <laughs> now, you all know better. She is a great cook. You say, now, no, you're just doing damage control now. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You say, why would you say it like that? Because I run out of notes. <laughs> you see except the Lord build the house they labor in vain to build it well I want to build my house if you're not going to let God do it and you're not going to do it God's way down the path of blessing it ain't going to work godly men find strength in their private personal walk with God godly men are not afraid of some pressures or stress they step into battle not away from it. They get into the playing field, not off of it. That's what the Bible says is a godly man. He's a worker. He's a provider. And he's a protector. He's a man who has accepted 
his role as a male, he's okay with his gender. Nothing to be ashamed of. And he's also met the second challenge in life, that he's going to do it the way God said to do it. Now, I got news for you, men. You won't go to third base, not for God, unless you meet those first two challenges. And let me tell you what's going to help you meet them is coming to know the Lord as Savior. Jesus is the perfect man. Let's all stand this morning. Men, that's what it means to be a godly man. We could have done more. We could have said more. Song of invitation, please. Those are three main points, I believe, that are very, very important. Your purpose is to work. Find a field. Your young, young men that are not married yet, you need a field to work in. Sitting around on the beanbag, playing video games all day in the basement is not going to get the job done. You can't support a family like that, let alone support yourself. You need a field. Moms and dads, you don't need to let them sit around on the beanbag all day. They need to learn how to work. You're part of the problem. Here's our problem. The prodigal father did not go down to the hog pen to feed his son bread and water. But he also didn't move the hog pen in the house. That's Bible. Teach them especially your men they need a field to work in there's nothing wrong with education there's nothing wrong with developing a trade or a field so you can support yourself and a family but you're also a protector you've got to provide spiritually physically if you're not and you won't you're worse than an infidel you're worse than a lost person, a heathen. God said, because you know what's right, but you won't do it.